today we're going to, today's going to be basically, it's a bit of a recap, but also it's, it's a defining moment because I want to define some things. And also give us a little bit of, a, of an idea of where we're going. The book of Acts, chapter 2. If you're there, Sam, there. <laughs> Acts 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. How many believers? All. <laughs> How many was that? 120. We know that this was 120 believers who were meeting in one place. Why were they meeting there? In the chapter prior to this, this is the book of Acts. This is not the book of Sits. It's the book of Acts because this is where we see our life as believers put into action. We see evidence of this. And Jesus in chapter one says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to wait in the upper room. This upper room is the place that Jesus had this famous depiction of him eating this last supper with his disciples. And so he says, I want you to go back there. He says to the believers, I want you to go there. I want you to wait for some help that the father is sending you. He's promised you. And so 120 go and they wait in this upper room. So how many are in this upper room waiting? 120. So suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, I just want to pause for a second and just tell you this is weird. Okay, I'm going to give, can we just admit, sometimes, like we have to be able to admit because here's the thing, as followers of Jesus, we are not going to always understand everything. If we can understand it, we're not walking in faith. This is, this is, so I, I so like, if, imagine for a second if I said, okay, we're all going to wait here. And all of us are waiting and all of a sudden the wind started blowing. The wind didn't start blowing outside, it started blowing inside. That's weird. This is what's happening here. The wind starts blowing inside. Tongues of fire. It, it's like, you, you know how a flame does this thing where it kind of like, it licks at things? So this is, this is the imagery. Tongues of fire, this like, begin falling. And, and a fire settled on each one of you right now. And you were filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you all began babbling in a language that's undiscernible. That the church affectionately calls speaking in tongues. This is what was happening. And, and, and I just want to say to you, this is, this is kind of strange in human terms, isn't it? It's okay. And something phenomenal happens. Listen, listen to what occurs because of this. 
It says, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem where they heard the loud noise. Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And, and, and it goes on to, to talk about all the different regions that all the people that were gathering there were coming from. They all spoke different languages from different nations. And here they were, they were gathered together. They hear this, this utterance. They hear this babbling in tongues. And they're able to understand what's being said. And, and ultimately it leads, in verse 11, it says this. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So there's this moment that, that, that 120 are in the room waiting on God. And, and they're surrendered and they're submitted. We've, we talked about that the last couple weeks. If you want greater context, you can go back to our YouTube channel. You can watch this whole series on worship. You can watch the last two weeks. But what we need to know is, is that this 120 are sitting in this room waiting on what Jesus said to wait for. This promise, this helper that the Father was going to send them. They're submitted and surrendered to Jesus Christ. And as they're impacted and they're given this promise, the Holy Spirit, they begin speaking in other languages. And, they, and what they begin speaking is they begin speaking of the wonderful things God has done. They begin worshiping. This is the people that heard this. They stood and they were amazed and perplexed. What, what can this mean that they asked each other in verse 13? But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying... They're just drunk, that's all. And in this moment, in verse 14, it says, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles, and he shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on to tell them what the prophet Joel had said thousands of years before. And then Peter, when he's done telling them what the prophet Joel has said, he preaches to them. He appeals to them with passion because of what he knows about Jesus. Because empowered by the Holy Spirit, because he's walked with Jesus. And he preaches to them. And then he gives them some more scripture. He begins telling them some more out of this book. And then he preaches to them again. And then he delivers some more, some more passionate scripture. And then he preaches to them again. And the people are standing and they're listening and they say, what should we do? And Peter says, you should repent. You should turn toward God. You should give your life. You should surrender and submit your life to Jesus Christ. And so that day, it said 3,000 gave their life to being surrendered and submitted to Jesus. And in verse 42, the byproduct of this, the byproduct of the 120 worshiping in this upper room, the byproduct of their worship was that they gathered together in a community and worshipers were made. Listen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. How many? All. How many was all? 
3,120, 120 that were originally in the upper, the upper room, they began worshiping. They began displaying worth, affection, and attention about who God was, all the wonderful things he had done. 3,000 people heard those things in their own tongue and said, oh my gosh, what should I do? And Peter appeals to them and says, you should repent. So they turn and they repent. They surrender and submit. And now there's 3,120. All of them were what? Devoted to the apostles' teaching. That, that, that is no small feat in and of itself. That all the believers would be devoted United, unified. We talked about this like in the second week of this series. All of them were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Whoa. All of them worshiped together at the temple. They came to church every single day. How many of them did? I, I just, I, I want to say, I, I think it's good for us to acknowledge some things in our current society and culturally. This is very countercultural to who we are today. That if I said to you this morning, hey, if, if, you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you call this your church home, I, I'm going to encourage you that we should, we should be doing this. We should be worshiping as a community together and that worshipers should be made out of that. And if you said how often, I would say every day based on this. This is not a prescription, by the way. I'm not going to suggest to you that we get together every day. But I am going to suggest to you there's something powerful in humans being in contact with other humans. We've seen this over the last year. We've seen the power of disconnect. The conversations that I'm having with people that are dealing with depression and anxiety at levels that the medical field has not ever seen. That just in the last week, hearing stories of individuals taking their lives, fathers, brothers, sons, taking their lives because of the disconnection there's something powerful about us connecting together. Now, I'm going to give you a statistic. This statistic is, is very specific to Southern California. This is not specific to the other parts of the country. But in Southern California, I can tell you statistically that individuals who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, typically gather one, about 1.3 times per month. Some form or fashion. In other parts of the country, we know like in the Bible Belt of the United States, we know that people gather much more. Why? Because that's what you do. You can be like up in the club the night before, but guess what you're going to do the next morning? Everybody in the club. Now like everybody's in church. <laughs> Smelling like the club from the night before. I'm telling you, because culturally, well, guess what? That's what you do. <laughs> you come in like all cross-eyed and... I think that I think that's I think there's something powerful though in that in the spirit. Do you know that, that I, I think God would rather have us coming in smelling like the stench of our humanity than standing on the outside? Why? Because He wants to be near us. The Father has always been about calling His people to Him. I want you to know something. You do not have to get yourself clean to walk in the door here at our church. We don't actually have that power in and of ourselves necessarily. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. 
That's why the day of Pentecost that we just read, tongues of fire fall on people. Why? Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So all of them are meeting. All the while they're doing this, they're sharing meals together, they're being, they're being generous, they're praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. How many days were people being saved? Each day. I wonder, I'm not saying this is prescriptive, but I wonder if there's something to us seeing the revival of people being saved every single day is attached to our ability as believers to gather as a community on a more frequent basis. Because people want to belong to something. And if us as the church aren't able to belong together in a family that God has actually created us for, then how are we set apart from the world? This is what sets us apart. I wonder if there's a correlation. But what I know is that people were being saved daily. So what, what does this mean? You may, you may have listened over the last handful of weeks and said, okay, I understand what worship is. And the last couple of weeks, I, I understand that I need to be surrendered. And I understand that I need to be submitted underneath the authority of Jesus. But now what, Pat? Now what do I do? I would tell you that you need to worship. Why? Because worshipers worship. Keep worshiping. There's power in it remaining there. So worshipers worship and then what? Make worshipers. How do I know that? I just read to you an account of worshipers worshiping. I think this is very descriptive of what our lives should look like as a community of believers. That we need to worship because we're worshipers. And out of that worship, out of giving worth and attention and affection to God, simply because he's worthy, other people are going to see us set apart, that we're joyful, that we're generous, that we're willing to forego maybe things that feel good to us for the better of the community, that we're, we're willing to get together. We're breaking out of the norm of 1.3 times a month. And we're saying, I'm willing to get together with you. And the byproduct, the manifestation of that is people are attracted to belonging to something. That they see, they, they see something different. And they ask the burning question that the people were asking to Peter, what should we do now? Worshippers worship and make worshipers. In John 4, number one, worshipers worship. It says very clearly, but the time is coming indeed. It is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Let's remember that the Father's looking for two types of people. I've said this. He's looking for true worshipers and he's looking for those who are truly lost. And the Father's heart is those who are truly lost would return back to the, the very thing they were built for and that's to become a true worshiper of him. We were all made to worship something. And I want to tell you, we were made to worship God. And we may displace that worship at times, but we were created to worship God because he is God and God alone. The first act of the 120 worshipers, as they sat in the upper room worshiping, waiting, submitted and surrendered, their first act was speaking in tongues. And we know that this speaking in tongues was an act of worship because of what 
the language, the, the undiscerning language was saying? How do we know what they were actually saying? So they began to speak in tongues. How do we know what they were actually saying? Well, it says further that all of the people that heard it were able to discern and understand in their own language. Not just understand, but understand what? The wonderful things that God had done. What happened in that upper room? They waited. They worshiped. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they began then to display God's worth, affection, and attention by telling of the wonderful things he had done. And those who were truly lost understood. Now, speaking in tongues is not prescriptive. What I mean by that is we're going to wait on God. And we're going to worship him because he is who he is. And he is God alone. What I'm not telling you is, is that our first, first act in the way that we worship is always in speaking in tongues. That may be for you. I believe in the power of speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. I believe that God gives us this amazing gift. But it's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. And what I mean by that is in it being descriptive, it paints a picture for you and I on how it is we should be worshiping. It paints a picture on how we should be worshiping. When we're submitted and surrendered and we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, our life becomes worship. The natural byproduct is they just, they, they just began to worship God. Like they, could, they couldn't get out of it. And worship, this is important. It's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. And how you worship in your life can manifest a lot of different ways. So I'm going to make a statement. Worship is narrow and it's broad. It's narrow because its focus is singular. We focus on God and God alone. It's broad in that there are many ways that you and I can worship in our life. See, worship becomes a lifestyle, not a song we sing. And when your worship becomes a lifestyle, your life becomes the song that the people around you can hear. And, they, and the melody and the lyric begins touching their hearts. Are you following me? I love Paul wrote most of the New Testament and he wrote this book to these, these people in Rome called the Romans. So in Romans 12, I'm going to read the message translation. It's very plain language. And, and this gives us a beautiful depiction, a description. It gives us a picture of exactly what I just said to you. Listen to what it says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. How does God help you and I? I just told you how God helps you and I. How does God help us? Gives us the Holy Spirit. We're not empowered by ourselves. We're not empowered by our own strength. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Paul's saying, I want you to do this. God helping you. I want you to do this empowered by the Spirit of God that he gives you as a worshiper. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So many of us think our lives are just, well, I don't know what I have to offer God. It's everything. It's your entire life. Worship is a lifestyle. 
It's the way that you eat. It's the way you drink. It's the way you walk. It's the way you sleep. It's how you decorate. It's everything about you. It's your language. It's the way you dance. It's the song that you sing. It is the lyric of your life. Worship is everything. There's nothing ordinary about, I want you to know this, there's nothing ordinary about your life. That every piece of who you are is significant. Every single decision you make is significant. And he says, embracing what God has done for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Why? Because worship is narrow and we focus on God and God alone. And then you will be changed from the inside out. Worshippers worship empowered by the Holy Spirit. Worshippers worship empowered by the Holy Spirit. God help us. And worshipers worship and make worshipers. It says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. So there's two things the Father is looking for. There's two people. He's looking for true worshipers and, the, and those who are, what? Truly lost. Jesus didn't come to save those who didn't think they needed saving. He came looking for those who were truly lost. And what I love about this is true worship will produce a community of true worshipers. True worship will produce a community of true worshipers who will reach the truly lost. So instead of setting up programs on how to reach the truly lost, what we need to do is we need to set up the place that we come to as true worshipers together and just truly worship. This was the power of Acts 2, 42 to 47. This was the power of reading that all of them were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And they began selling things and giving things to each other. And they met every single day in the temple courts. What, this was the power of it. This was the power of, of true worship, creating a community of true worshipers and reaching those who were truly lost, that people were being added to that number daily. It created a revival. We're all worshipers. And worshipers are chief evangelists of what they truly worship. If you want to know what you truly worship, and, and, and my wife and I were just having, Chandra, my, my wife and I were just having this conversation a couple weeks ago. And, you know, you go through seasons and sometimes in seasons you're investing in certain things and in other seasons you kind of stop investing in some things. You start investing in some other areas. That's just, you know, being attentive and on top of things. And we're having this discussion and I realized that maybe I had pressed past the boundaries of certain seasons in my life and I was still investing in some areas that I began to, to make those things really my focus of my worship. And this is how I, I knew in my life, and, and, and you, could, you could exercise this in your own life. This is how I knew in my own life what I was worshiping. I looked at my calendar, I looked at my bank account, and I paid attention to what I was always talking about. Why? Because I want to tell you, 
Worshippers are always chief evangelists of what they worship. And it's okay. I want you to know that. Like none of us are perfect. We kind of we, we kind of we kind of lose direction a little bit of like the goal. We kind of lose focus a little bit. And there's just we need this. We need the encouragement to say, hey, focus. Worship is narrow and worship is broad. Focus. God wants your everything. God doesn't want that your 99% in this 1%. God wants your everything. Like it gets to the point that like, have you ever been really excited about something and you're so excited about it that you can't wait to tell someone? Like you'll just tell, you start telling perfect strangers like, oh, I'm so excited about this. Like, oh. like, do you have the new app? Do you? And then it creates this frenzy and people are like FOMO, like, oh, I'm afraid I'm gonna miss out. And then they become evangelists of that very thing. And we create communities of worshipers of these things. And we're like, I'm so excited. You gotta check this out. Because there's something that's burning deep in your bones. There's like this fire that's burning inside of you that you can't stop. You have to tell people about this thing. Jeremiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, he says it this way. But if, if I say that I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his words burn in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. So I just say like, Father, right now, burn. Burn like a fire in our bones. Burn like a fire in the bones of the people that are saying, I'm surrendered and submitted. Burn like a fire in their bones. Revive the areas of their life that they think are dead, that you may think are ordinary and plain and are insignificant. God, burn deep in the bones of your people. Burn deep in the bones of your worshipers and create this amazing community of worship that makes worshipers of people that are truly lost. And Jeremiah says, I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. What happens when you get fire in your bones? What happens? It's like this Acts 2 moment. Fire, tongues of fire hit you. It was like there was... There was zero lag time. There was no latency. Holy Spirit hits the people, the 120, and what do they immediately begin doing? That fire starts coming out of them. And they start declaring the wonderful things that God has done. This is who we are. This is what we're called to. Worshippers worship and make worshipers. <laughs> what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? This is it. Jesus said, the time is coming. No, it's now. The true worshipers will worship. Now is the time. True worship will produce communities of true worship 
who will reach the truly lost. I, I want you to know that this little church, this community of people that exists here in San Marcos, California, that people are listening to. You may be sitting here or you're watching our online campus and there's people all over the world in different states and different areas of California that are watching this. I want you to know this. I want you to know why it is we believe we exist because this is going to give you context to why we do things a certain way. I want you to know we exist. This church exists for one reason and one reason only, to curate communities of worship. to reach the truly lost and make worshipers. That is why we do what we do. Remember the goal. Jesus said, all the authority has been given to me in the book of Matthew. Now I want you to go and make disciples. Disciples are just worshipers. I want you to go make worshipers. And so this is our mandate that we would worship. We would be focused on one thing and broad in our lives. Why don't you stand with me this morning? All morning, I, I think weirdness sets in sometimes in our worship because we, <clears throat> we take it as performance instead of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so if you've been straining and struggling is this idea of being a worshiper, if you're like, it's hard, and I just feel beat down. This morning, this is your moment where I'm gonna pray Acts 2, tongues of fire moment that a fire would fall on you and burn deep in your bones. You have what it takes. You are significant. I need the community of believers. And the community of believers needs me. And the same could be said for you. We have been called to be a people of worshipers that a fire burns deep in our bones. And the byproduct is others will see it. And our lives will speak the language they need to hear and understand so that they know the wonderful things that God is doing. Let's close our eyes as I, as I wrap up. If that's you this morning, that, on our online campus, our stream team is there ready. So you, on our, on our online campus, you, you can participate with us if you're in the room. Uh, I want you to simply raise your hand if you're like, today I need empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to do it on my own, but I, I need empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's awesome. There's a, there's a lot of, of admission here. And I know on our online campus, uh, raise your hand simply by saying, I need empowered by the Holy Spirit. Here's what I would like you to do. If you raise your hand, I'm gonna pray for you very quickly and then I'm gonna give you a challenge. One thing to do this week because anybody can do one thing one time. Let me pray first. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, the same name that you gave us the authority to go make disciples. I'm praying in that same name that the 120 were submitted and surrendered in the upper room. I'm praying with the authority in the same name that sits seated right now with the Father that gives us the ability with boldness to come to you, Father, in this prayer when I say, let your Holy Spirit come. Burn like fire in our bones. 
fall mightily right now in the name of Jesus. Touch every single person's heart right now. Put a fire in the bones of every single person that's hearing this, that's saying, I am surrendered and submitted. I need to be empowered by the Spirit of God because God has given you something to take into a broken world that people desperately need the language of your life. People desperately need the language of your love. People desperately need the language and the lyrics and the melody of your song. You're not forgotten. There are dreams and desires that God has put in your hearts. I'm gonna speak specifically to somebody in the room. I don't want you, if you're, if you're on an online campus, don't get disconnected for a second. I'm gonna speak specifically. There's a couple standing right here to my left in the front. And there's a young woman. Could you look at me for a second? The Father has put dreams and desires deep in your heart. And when you hear the words of this message, God is calling you back. He, you two are returning. You're returning back to a place that God has spoken to you about. And I'm telling you, there are individuals, there are communities that need the language and the lyrics and the melody of the song of your life. You are significant. God has chosen you. He has marked you. Is this making sense? So I say, Holy Spirit, come right now. Haley, can you just come over here? Can I just have someone place their hand on you real quick? Is that okay? Father, I pray right now. And hey, listen, you, you, you can open your hands up. If you want to receive this, you can receive the blessing just as well. God is speaking directly to her right now, but I, I think this is kind of a blanket statement too. You can receive this. Just grab a hold of some of it. God's depositing something right now in you. He's depositing, he's depositing something more in you right now. You've been struggling and wondering if there's more. You've been asking if there's more. You've been trying to press past the boundaries of religion and what you've grown to learn. And you've been saying there has to be more than this. And God is saying right now there is more. There's relationship and there's a burning fire that I want to put inside you. So Holy Spirit, I say right now, come right now with power. Come with boldness. Put a fire in her bones that she cannot contain. She will not be able to stop. That when she steps out into the community, when she steps into relational um, situations, when she's speaking to people, she can't help it. That there's something that just comes loose and she begins declaring through her life and the melody and the song of who she is, the wonderful things that God is doing in her life. You have a testimony. You, 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 you can attest to the goodness of God. You can attest to His goodness because of where He's brought you from. He's brought you from places of brokenness, of feeling alone, of depression, of wanting to take your life, of wanting to step aside. He's brought you from places and the Spirit of God right now is breaking those lies off of you. It's okay. It's okay. Come right now. This is what happens when we wait as worshipers. We just gotta be willing to wait. But I'm telling you, there's fire when we wait. God, realign all of the things that have been spoken over her life. 
Realign those things to your heart as a father, as a papa. So she can experience the heart of a father the way that she's never experienced ever in her life. That the broken nature of of human fatherhood right now, God does not actually stand at the highest place in her understanding in life. You're a good father. You're a good God. Yeah, and this isn't it. I just feel like the father is saying to you, as long as you're willing to ask for more, he's going to keep giving it to you. He's unending. Like he doesn't have a capacity on his love for you and what he wants for you. We, we are human capacity. We're conditional. He's unconditional. That means moment by moment, you can just walk in to say, yeah, Papa, just give me more. Father, give me more. And, 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 and so this is going to sound crazy, the language I'm going to use, but I pray that he wrecks you with such a deep understanding and burning in your bones about how much he has affection and love toward you. That's important for you. God, I'm willing to give up everything to be a worshiper of you and to see others called into deeper connection with you as worshipers. Take what you need to take. And would you only leave a burning deep in my bones? Pray this with me. Father, take what you need to take and only leave a burning fire in my bones because worshipers worship and make worshipers. Choose one way this week because you can do anything one time. Choose one way this week that you can step into deeper community here in our church. There are so many opportunities. Go to themovement.org, go on our app, jump online, any of our online campuses. Right now, you can say, hey, I want to I take the opportunity. Step deeper into community. We're going to continue praying. Listen, if you need prayer this morning, whether on an online campus or here in person, do not leave this place. If what I was praying just now resonated in your heart over this young lady come forward we want to pray for you God has more for you he has more for you and we want more because we exist to cure communities of worship and make worshipers amen in Jesus powerful name amen and amen